Good evening and welcome to episode 105 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandu Kumalo. It's a Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast and it has been an eventful day. I'm sure if you follow us on our social media platforms, you certainly heard about our virtual property show. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then I do urge you to go onto our social media platforms to find out more about uh, you know, that incredible show that is coming up in a couple of weeks that you definitely do not want to miss out we'll be sharing a little bit more about what you can expect in the coming days so do keep in tune with that one but of course we are talking property this evening and one of the things that we're talking about um, that i think a lot of us can benefit from especially if you're you know already a property investor or perhaps you're looking to become a property investor we're looking at three practical steps to you know to take in order to become a professional investor probably what are we talking about what does it even mean to be a property a professional uh, you know investor we don't even mean you know going to school and having to study it but certainly running your property business like a professional and that's something that we always echo quite a lot you also want to understand what is the skill set that you probably need that will set you above the rest and of course to help us better understand uh, you know what these practical steps are and how we can navigate them and what we should be thinking about if we want to take our property business and our property portfolio to the next level i'm joined this evening by somebody we've had before here on the private property podcast and that's evan Ruk, who is the managing director of think startup before we start with evan i actually want to know from you know viewers at home if you're already a property investor perhaps even a landlord or you're looking into becoming a property investor what skill set do you think you still need to get in order to take your portfolio or your property business to the next level? So you've probably been doing it maybe two, three, four years, and you maybe you know manage your own uh, properties, so you deal with your tenants on a day-to-day basis. Or perhaps you outsource it. What have you identified as you know that skill that you can see that you know what I'm actually lacking in this one, and and I still need to just do a bit more work in in sharpening that skill and that's what's going to take me to the next level and if you're not already a property investor i want to hear from you what skill can you already do off the bat see that this one i don't have and that's why i'm a bit scared to you know make that leap and buy that first property i know for example one of the the skills that i know i'm not always that great at is handling my admin and that's always a you know a, a red spot for me and even whatever you know project I, I go into, and instead of kind of shying away from it, I own I own up to it and kind of try to put in systems that mitigate that lack of having my admin on lock. Um, so already that's the thing that I I knew from the get go that going into property I needed to work with people that can help me uh, and be strong in something that I am not that strong in. I want to hear from you at home. What is that skill that you still want to sharpen in order to help? Help you on your property investment journey. Well, to get started in this evening's conversation, I'm joined, as I said earlier, by Ivan. Ivan, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Good evening, Zama. Uh, thank you very much. It's an honor to be with you tonight, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. And, and we definitely are, Ivan, because I mean, it's always so great chatting to you because I think we go beyond the, you know, kind of the everyday nuts and bolts of things that uh, a lot of times we get into on the Private Property Podcast. But we also understand, I say, the, psycho- the psychology of what we talk about. And that's something that we sometimes, you know, take for granted quite a bit. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on in our discussion. But I think before we even, you know, get into what these practical steps is, I'm sure viewers at home are already thinking, okay, so 
what is the difference between kind of the normal investor and maybe they thought I'm a normal I'm a normal investor or you thought look I've been at it for a couple of couple of years I think I'm really good at this I can call myself you know a pro uh, at investing so how would you differentiate between these two well it's a great question and we normally have to start this discussion uh, by first explaining obviously what does a professional investor mean right because I know most people probably listening has already invested whether in one, two, three, maybe five or 20 properties. And now the biggest thing, let's take driving for example, right? What's the difference between most of us, like me, a standard driver and a professional driver? Now, a professional driver, obviously, is someone who gets paid to drive, right? And yes, a lot of people normally answer and say, well, they've got a very specific set of skills, uh, they're really good at what they do. And obviously those things are quiet or required. However, the biggest thing is they are so good that they actually get paid to do it. And I wonder how many people listening tonight who have invested are actually getting paid. Is your property portfolio, your property investments actually making you money? Do you understand the different sectors where you can make money? Because cash flow is not the only way, right? There's different ways that you make money in property. Question is, do you know what they are and are you actually making money? So that's normally the fundamental to start and understand. Am I doing this just because people say it's a good investment? Or am I actually doing it to build something of value? And, you know, Evan, I really like, uh, you know, the car analogy that you've just used right now, because I think if anything, this conversation is going to, uh, you know, help viewers at home to understand that we, a lot of, you know, the viewers at home, you now know how to drive the car. You've, you know, certainly taken lessons, you've done your driver's license, the learners, the drivers, and you've probably probably been driving for a couple of years. This is essentially you identifying uh, if you're able, you know, unfortunately, I haven't done this one, uh, but you know, those uh, defense driving lessons that you're sometimes able to take, uh, which are really great. And I've, I've you know, heard people who've, who've taken them saying that, look, it's also just sharpened the way that they drive on a day-to-day -day basis. So even though you know how to drive, you've probably driven, I mean, I think the longest trip I've driven was from here to Tofo in, in Mozambique. So in, even though you've got that skill and nobody doubts you with that, now you're almost taking it, you know, a notch up and you're saying, look, I, I know I can do this. I've done it. You can probably probably wake me up and I'll be able to tell you how you go about driving a car. But now, of course, we want to take it to the next level. So if you're already a property investor, you've identified, look, I'm running my portfolio pretty well, my business is doing well. And now we basically want to get a sense of then what sets you apart from, we'll say the average timber to the person who is just better than that, right? And, and perhaps then uh, Evan should go to you know the first practical um, you know, step that viewers at home should be taking when it comes to uh, leveling up their property investment uh, journey. Yes. Oh, awesome. And the thing is, and these steps apply whether you first starting out now as a property investor, whether you, can I say, maybe dabbling in some property, maybe you have a few investments already, or whether you are, so to speak, already a pro and maybe an ultra wealthy guy. And I know the practical steps will ring true for you as well. Um, and you can use them. You use all of these, whether on whichever level you are at. So using the analogy of driving a car, right? 
You remember probably the first time you started to learn to drive a vehicle, right? It was ridiculously difficult. It was hard. You were 16, 17 or 18 years old. But what's the first thing you did when you knew I'm going to get my learners and I want to learn to drive a car? First thing we do is we get a K53, right? We have to first learn what the rules of the road are, right? How, how to drive, where does the indicator actually sit? Now, I know most people in our country still don't use the indicator, right? Yeah. Now, Especially the BMW driver, it, it's just yeah. decoration. I know a lot of the, the guys who drive German sedans, that's just decoration. They don't even use it. Exactly, exactly. And especially with the new German cars, with the lines that move, you know, it, it looks really nice. So it looks like a decoration. So first you acquire the right knowledge and that's the first practical step, right? So if I want to go into property or I want to go from three, three properties to five, or I want to go from five to 10, there's different levels of knowledge that I require, right? Because you might get three properties right now and for most people would think if you're already at three, it's easy to go to 10. But if you bought all three of those places in your personal name and your income, the 30% income that the bank gives you exposure to for borrowing money to you, maybe you're already fully maxed out and they don't want to borrow you any more money, right? That means there's different information you require. You need to learn about structuring because there's entities that you can buy properties in, right? So first practical step is you have to acquire the right knowledge. Once again, Zama also mentioned in, in the beginning of the session is that you don't have to have a university degree. I don't have one and you also don't need one, right? All you need is to understand that self-education is the most valuable thing that you can do, right? Jim Rohn's had a good quote. We said, formal education will give you a lifestyle or income will give you a basic living, right? But self-education will make you a fortune. And that's really the difference between mediocre or just plain investors that's not really making money and professional investors because they understand that they are students for life, that you can learn probably now and really become brilliant at investing in student accommodation, right? But you probably don't know as much about investing in commercial real estate in VNA waterfront in Cape Town or on the sea, Atlantic seaboard, right? It's a different ball game. So you just need to acquire different knowledge to go into that lane. The same with driving. If you are a great driver at the moment, if you want to go pro, there's different information you require. You have to understand what oversteering means and understeering. There's a lot of lot more technical difficulties when it comes to driving only, never mind property as well. So understand where you're at right now and what do you need to learn to go to the next level? And, and in your, Evan, I'll, I'll play the other end of this because I know a lot of guests that I sometimes have uh, here in the Private Property Podcast do push a lot for you know, self-education uh, and not necessarily going the university route. I'll, I'll play the, the counter and say you know, both are equally important. Um, and in the event 
that you perhaps don't have, I think one of the big things is an event where you don't have formal university education, then, um, you know, that's, that's fine. There are certainly ways that you're able to access property uh, in the ways that some of the guests have been able to access property. And, and then I'll speak for the guys who do have university degrees, because I know that some of them are probably thinking how, but I, you know, I went to school and here I am, uh, perhaps using or not using the university degree. That's a different story altogether. Uh, and I'll probably, you know, fight just a little bit for the varsity guys because I, I've, I've walked down that path and continue to walk down that path. So I think whichever road you choose, you know, whether it's formal education or the, the university of life or even a merger of both, uh, you know, there is no, we'll say, right or wrong way of becoming the, we'll say, the right property investor. Uh, but certainly, you know, acquiring, acquiring the right knowledge and knowing that, um, that knowledge doesn't just lie in a textbook or in a classroom. I think that's the important thing. Because one of the things even that I have picked up sometimes is certainly from people who went the sort of university route, sometimes they kind of limit where they might find some of that knowledge. Whereas, you know, guys who, who've gone through the university of life know that those lessons kind of come from different people, different aspects, and the value of it isn't necessarily more if you went the university route. And maybe the, the really great sweet spot, and maybe I say it's great because this is where I find myself in, is the ability to kind of merge both of them. So understanding that here's some stuff you've learned in the classroom, how do you then sort of apply that in an everyday sort of context, but also being open to the university of life and the lessons that you're able to get. So really there's no discrimination where when it comes to mm. where you get this knowledge. And I think that's a very big takeaway uh, for people who want to you know, get that edge on their property journey. So whether you were not able to access university education or you were able to access it, I think either one of the two don't put you at a disadvantage and I think that's a very important thing uh, to be to be always um, you know mindful of so then Ivan we're we're we know that we're acquiring the right knowledge and I know a lot of the viewers at home are quite eager when it comes to that we've got you know the private property podcast they're tuned in daily they engage on social media with us you're also able to go to privateproperty.co.za and of course you're also able to get yourself a copy of the property guide which is a very extensive you know property tool that you're able to use if you're interested in property and it doesn't matter whether you're an investor a seller a buyer or even a tenant because I think a lot of people think tenants aren't as interested in trying to get to know more about property but you're also able to learn quite a lot as a tenant when you get your copy of the property guide and of course you can get that copy by going to www.thepropertyguide.co.za and order it there online you're also able to you know buy it at various um, bookstores it is retailing for 150 on the uh, property guide website so do head on over there for a limited period you'll be able to get it so now you know where you can get some of this knowledge i mean yes some of it is in books some of it is in podcasts uh you know some of it is in some of the conversations that do continue happening even here on our social media platforms. We see some of the different viewers, you know, who always comment on a daily basis and give us some of their insights when it comes to their property journey. And I think one of the insights that I definitely want us to, to, to get from our viewers at home, Ivan, is around the skill that they think that they are lacking uh, in order for them to, to just take their property investment journey to the next level. So if you're a landlord, uh, you know, what's that skill that you can, that you've already identified as a skill that you 
you, you know, still need to work on. And if you're a tenant, you know, what is also that skill? Maybe you're a tenant and you're not really that great at communicating that well with your landlord. So sometimes you end up, you know, not documenting things properly. Uh, perhaps that's something that you're struggling with. Do share it with us here down below. We're going to go for a quick break. When we come back, we'll be going through some of those, but also looking at the last two practical steps that you can take if you want to, uh, you know, become a professional investor. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to episode 105 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandungwa Kumalo. This evening, we're looking at the three practical steps to take to become a professional investor. And of course, I'm joined by Ivan Druk, who's the Managing Director of Think Startup. I want to hear from you at home. If you are a property investor, you know, what is that skill set that you think you still need to sharpen in order to take your property portfolio, property business to the next level? And if you haven't started on your property investment journey, then what is that one skill set that you can already say off the bat, this is something that I know I'll very likely struggle with and probably something that I need to do better in working on uh, and making sure that it is as sharp as possible. I mean, I was sharing earlier on that for me, it's definitely my admin skills. I And I've, I've, I've kind of accepted that that is something I'm not particularly great at. And, and where I can, there'll be an assistant and really a good team that's able to make up for that one area where I know I'm not that great. Uh, so sometimes it may even mean, you know, making sure that people in my team are sticklers for certain types of detail because I tend to just not uh, look at that stuff that much. There's a different kind of detail that I'm more interested in. So being able to identify those kind of, uh, you know, skills gaps even as a property investor is so important because it really does help you uh, elevate your property portfolio and your property business to the next level. We are, of course, taking your questions and comments at home. Uh, if you certainly want to share what that skill set is, then do send them through. We've got a question here. And before we even answer it, actually, I'm going to ask for, for Glennis to, to specify exactly you know, what she means so we can get a nice crisp answer. And the question is, you know, what happens when you invest in a sectional title scheme where one is far too reliant on trustees and managing agents who don't necessarily have your best interests at heart uh it feels like a conflict glennis i'm just going to ask you to just you know expand a little bit on what you you mean by they don't share um you know they don't have your best interests at heart because typically you know the trustees are also owners um in the in the actual sectional scheme so i just want us to understand your question well so that we're able to address it uh shortly here on air and, uh, you know, Ivan, so the first step that we are sharing is you must acquire the right knowledge. Then what's that second step? Right, Zama, the second step is whether you're first starting off, whether you're building something big, is you really have to start looking at 
building an investment team for yourself, right? Now, what does that mean? Let's take the analogy of drive, learning to drive a car. You got the K53, you, you did all the studying of what the rules of the road is, and you know now where the indicators of the car are is. However, they don't let you climb into a car by yourself, right? You still need some guidance. So you have a trainer or a coach or mentor or someone whose programs you go to or the private property podcast that you listen to. It's people, companies, groups, programs that you can follow that's going to help you to learn faster, right? So let's say you're a learner driving, you're busy driving down the road because you still have to learn practically to drive. Your trainer next to you can quickly intercede and assist you if something goes wrong. Maybe you mistakenly start steering off the road, right? They can quickly readjust the steering wheel or pull up the handbrake because they, by this time, already know exactly what to do. So by building an investment team, if you haven't bought, an, uh, bought any properties yet, you're still starting off, your investment team can be like um, Zama as an example that you can follow and listen, get some advice, learn, do some programs, go to seminars or webinars, obviously, in this day and age, and read books and learn from people maybe who's walked that path before. And then obviously you're going to start speaking to a banker, right? So maybe one of the, the place where you bank at or one of the other banks or a great option as well, maybe get a bond originator. It's someone that will apply for financing for you. And there's great bond originators out there that really can negotiate better interest rates on your behalf because you may be still new or maybe you already have three properties, but you still don't know how to negotiate with the banks. They do. They get paid for that. So you don't pay the bond originator the banks pay them for getting that business. So build a small team where that's a bond originator. And then after you've bought your first place, you're going to want someone maybe to do your rentals for you. I mean, Zama, you mentioned admin isn't your strong point. Uh, that makes two of us. I don't like admin at all. So one of the things when you build an investment team is you really need to make sure that there's some stuff that you can maybe outsource. Yeah. So maybe like, renting out a place you can outsource that or the maintenance i've got a friend that says his town hands are obviously around that it confuses a drill and a screwdriver right so he doesn't like fixing his units he outsources that yeah. and it will give you less stress so once you've built this team if you've worked with a bond originator that secures you a good deal you can do your next place with them Find companies like obviously lawyer firms that's going to be your convincing attorneys that maybe after you've done a few deals with them, they give you a better discount rate on their, on their fees. So this is what's, what the team is for. You can get structuring specialists that will help you to structure your properties in, in entities that will assist you in buying more places. So if you're sitting at this moment with one, two or three properties and the banks won't allow you to buy more places because you're buying them in your personal name, they're structuring for that. So if you structure your investments right, you can buy more places with the same salary that you currently are getting. So that's what an investment team is about, making sure that there's other people around you who's either done it before or they specialize in something, right? So you outsource specialist tasks and you outsource mundane tasks like admin, for example. Yeah. So that's really what a building investment team is all about. 
and, and you know, viewers at home are already sharing some of the skills that they're great at, some of the skills that they struggle with. Uh, of course, do keep those comments coming. I certainly want to hear uh, from you. I'm glad to see that I'm not the only one who is not that great at admin. I see Ngatia Guajapa, one of our regular viewers, saying admin has never been my strong point. I end up not having these agreements or not renewing them or not holding people accountable when they breach the lease agreement. So I'm glad to know that I'm not the, you know, the only one who's struggling or who struggles with, um, you know, with having her admin on lock. Uh, another comment here from Shagong Shagong, who says, I'm terrible at negotiating. You know, Shagong, I think the thing with negotiating is it takes practice. Um, and it also just takes knowing what is on the table. And I know that this is something that we've shared. So for example, are you trying to negotiate your interest rate? Are you trying to negotiate on the purchase price? I found that I was really great at negotiating on the purchase price. Uh, but not so great on negotiating on the interest rate when it was still when I still fairly new in my investment journey. Uh, so I was very great at identifying the properties, knowing how long they were on the market for, what the going rate is. So I was able to negotiate really well on the purchase price. But the moment it was around, you know, negotiating the interest rate that I should be getting, and and I already know probably one or two properties are not at the greatest interest rate. I could have, you know, kind of pushed back. Um, use the services of a bond originator who did a lot of that. I think had I known more, I may have pushed back just a little bit more um, to get a better deal. So it definitely is important, I think, to be able to identify those areas where you struggle, because then you're able to outsource uh, those those moments as Ivan was you know, sharing, because that really is such an important one, because I think a lot of us do take it for granted. We've got Luto Tsiamo here on YouTube saying that I think most tenants, uh, they don't read contracts and they get too excited about the place. It becomes a problem when they have to move out and they don't get the full refund or um, with, where they don't get a full refund or a refund at all. And I think one of the things, uh, you know, Ivan, that perhaps might even set some landlords apart is to also be able to if you're managing your own properties for example have the conversation with that prospective tenant before they sign around you know key clauses in the in the um in the lease agreement because we have seen of course that that is something that a lot of tenants uh, typically get into but also as a tenant you must take it upon yourself of course to read your lease agreement understand the terms and conditions if there's something you don't understand go back, keep asking, uh, because more often than not, these things have a way of coming back to bite you, um, especially when things do go wrong. So then, Ivan, we've now quite our knowledge, we've got our power team, whether it is, you know, different people that you, you know, sort of tap into, or perhaps it is, you know, people that you've already identified um, that you can, you know, reach out to. I see even here on uh, YouTube asking, you know, property investment book recommendation, please accept Start With Why by Simon Sinek. That's a really great book. Of course, The Property Guide is also a really good book. Ubuntu, uh, uh, so I think do get your hands on that one because it really uh, walks the path with you. So then what's the next step? And I like this next step, Evan, because we can get stuck with the, you know, with those first two steps, the acquiring the knowledge and almost wanting to get all your ducks in a row. So then what's that next step um, in order for us to elevate our property investment journey? Oh, great. And now, once again, the driving analogy. So now you've learned everything you need to know. You're sitting in the car, you're sitting with a, with a teacher next to you. The question is, what are you busy with and why are you doing it? And the, the reason why I'm saying that is 
why is it so because it feels difficult right for most people learning to drive a car i mean you remember when you first started to learn right it felt like you're never going to be able to drive right it was difficult information overload blind spot mirror blind spot clutch brake gears and the instructor speaking to you in the same time and it's it feels so overwhelming but you had the right motivation you knew if i do this for a year hour in hour out put in my hours put in the practice i will get my driver's license right why can't we have that same attitude when it comes to property investing so a lot of people start reading books start viewing a few places and they feel it feels hard it's information overload right and they just don't push through they don't buy that first place and the biggest thing that you have to do and this is practical step number 3 is you have to take action but you have to take consistent action and that's what you already did to get your driver's license right and your motivation was i am going to get my driver's license within a year or year and a half time that was a guarantee but you knew all i had to do was learn what they teaching me and put in the practice right do the same with property whether you had 0 10 or 50 properties exactly the same rules apply so once you've bought that first place and i know most people can relate to this listening right now those of you who already bought a place right once you bought that first place you came out of this unknown out of obscurity because suddenly you gained additional knowledge out of the experience of buying that first place and that's when wisdom actually starts to come is what you learn out of the experience and that is way more worth in gold than what you will read in a book because you can read all the books in the world but if you never buy that first place you will never become an investor right so making sure to take consistent action not just action consistent action if you have a new year's resolution to be to get into a specific shape let's say you want to be fitter leaner whatever the case might be going to the gym on the 2nd of january and the 3rd of january is action but that's not going to give you the results right you have to do it week in week out eat a specific way and stay the course the same with property investing once you bought your first place you've acquired the right knowledge you have a great investment team buy the first place then buy the second place and buy the tenth place but you have to take that action consistently you know even when you're talking about new resolutions a part of me uh, a part of me you know died a little bit because i'm sure none of us would have anticipated what 2020 has had in store for us uh, and i do wonder if you know certain you people know. still have some of their new resolutions and they're still on path to you know ticking off some of those new resolutions because i think if anything this year has changed things quite significantly uh, for a number of us glennis has come back um and 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 i'm i'm going to say this one glennis you know she was adding on to what she shared earlier she's saying the managing agent is not experienced in sectional title or delivering um a high standard and she's saying i'm great at governance but the trustees won't tap into the other owner experiences this is felt by many sectional title owners you are either a trustee or you don't have a voice um and we do see that happening and i think glennis one of the things i'll definitely urge you to do we had that conversation with 
um, Zelinda van der Merwe, uh, a very fantastic conversation around community schemes. I uh, you know the one was around rules and you know the other one was around things that people who want to bind to community schemes uh, must know. The most recent conversation was episode 97 and we've spoken to her again on two other occasions. One of the things that you're able to do, of course, is you know go to your CSOS, so, so the ombud is there and there was a conversation we had around the ombud, uh, 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 the community scheme ombud and the work that the community scheme ombud um, does and ways in which they mitigate in situations like these. So in the event where you're having issues with the managing agent or the trustees who feel that they're not necessarily you know, performing their fiduciary duties, then I think do try and walk down that path. And typically when you, you know, go the CSOS route, you tend to find that the, the trustees and even the managing agents do sit up um, and take you seriously as residents. But of course, also do get involved in the HEM uh, because one of the other things is to get other owners, especially if it's being felt by other owners, get them also in the mix because then you're able to get, you know, a new crop of trustees who are able to, uh, you know, effect the change that you want to see in that particular community scheme. And, and hopefully you'll be able to, to use your governance experience, as you're saying, you're very good at governance, uh, in order to, to be able to assist in that community scheme. Now, Evan, before we let you go, of course, want to wrap up with that last tip. And I know that it's, it, it ties in with the, you know, the previous one that you said, but of course, there's that golden thread with this particular one. What's that last step that, uh, you know, viewers at home should just always be mindful of? Well, absolutely, and it's it's based on consistency. Yeah, you absolutely have to be consistent. So, driving analogy, you already got your license. You're 18 years old, and you're excited. It feels like you're independent because you can drive. No one else has to be with you when you want to go to the shop. But now, two, three years later, you climb into the car and you start driving without thinking about it, right? How amazing is that? Because you can climb to your car right now and you don't think about blind spot, mirror blind spot, because what happens is your brain starts blocking and batching those pieces of information together. So everything becomes subconscious. It's called the state of unconscious competence. It means you now do it without thinking about it, right? So how does someone, does someone go from being that good like us driving without thinking about it to becoming a professional, let's say a Formula One driver, right? All they do is they just repeat this process. So they go and acquire different knowledge, right? More specialized knowledge of what does it mean to go into a corner if you drive around a racetrack? What speed can you do it at? What does oversteer and understeer mean? So what speed do I need to enter into the corner? And how do I exit it, right? Without rolling the car. So it's specialized knowledge. So if, if you had 50 properties right now and you feel like you're hitting a ceiling, there's different knowledge that you require. There's maybe different mentors, coaches, uh, or trainers that you need to speak to, people that maybe have 400 or 500 units, and they can tell you, listen, I was there as well. So maybe switch this, change this, or adapt this, right? So once again, they just look for different people to listen to, people who's done what they wanted to do before. And then what do they do the next thing? They then just take that same action, but the consistency is key. Remember, the powerful thing about property is the compounding effect, right? Now, compounding is only effective if you put something into that account every single month. You can't compound anything. It doesn't matter how great the interest rate is. Nothing can compound if you can't add something to it 
on a frequency. So whether it's month to month, week or yearly, you have to have a consistency, a frequency of adding something to it. So make sure if you set yourself a goal, you want to end up with 50 properties one day. Put yourself a target that you'll buy one place every second year. And then maybe after four years every year and after maybe every six months. And before you see, maybe sitting with 12, 14 or 20 properties. And those then actually start compounding. And that is how you build ultra wealth. Well, Irvine, we are going to leave it there this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Zoma. Appreciate it. And that was Ivan Ruk, who is the Managing Director of Think Startup. Well, folks, that's it from us here on the Private Property uh, the private property Podcast team. And of course, we're back again tomorrow. It's going to be the Friday edition of the show. I do hope that we're going to keep this conversation you know, continuing. Uh, I think we definitely want to hear what are some of the, the weak spots when it comes to your skill set uh, that you've picked up that you have when it comes to managing your own uh, property portfolio or growing or scaling your property portfolio. And, and, and I think I actually like the, the note that, uh, you know, Glennis has kind of pointed us in, but also what's the thing that you're really good at? Because it's one thing to identify some of the weak spots, but I also want to see uh, maybe what are some of the things that you're really great at that you think you're, you've almost now basically got it on lock. You understand how this is done and you can do it in your sleep. And it's, it's one of the golden threads or the golden uh, nuggets that, uh, you know, bring in life when it comes to you running your property business. I certainly want to hear from you. We'll continue the conversation on our social media platforms. Of course, uh, if you do want to, you know, participate on the conversation that we're running on our social media platforms, and this one is on our Facebook page, then do go over on our Facebook page. We have shared the competition details where we want you to review, um, you know, our page on Facebook, write the review, give us a nice five star, tell us what you appreciate about the private property page. And of course, you stand a chance of walking away with a 500 rand cash voucher. You know how much we love giving away cash here on the Private Property Podcast. Well, that's it for me, Zamantu Mwakumal. We're back again tomorrow evening. You definitely don't want to miss that one. And as usual, hoping that you're staying home and staying safe. We'll be back tomorrow evening. edition of the private property podcast as usual we'll be bringing you experts to help us navigate this COVID-19 crisis whether you're a landlord or a tenant um, or somebody perhaps even looking to get into the property market and don't understand um, how this crisis is actually going to affect your property journey yes we certainly do find ourselves in very very interesting and very unique times
what I've found in my experience that in terms of buying repossessed property, I've had a lot of my wins because of easy sales. So you want to have good credit on your uh, credit profile. Um, you definitely don't want to have no credit profile on, on your credit profile. This is what we determine as a thin credit file. Accrual, accrued value during the course of the, uh, the marriage, will have to share with the other spouse, um, depending on what their contract says, um, the assets they gain during the course of the marriage. So that's basically what it means. We are profiling young people in property. You all know how excited I am to talk about property, but I even get more excited when I talk to my peers. Millennials and young professionals are money conscious. We understand that money doesn't grow in trees, and so we're trying to find ways to accommodate ourselves. Who are the parties in the buying and selling process, right? So you have the buyer, you have the seller, you have the bank, and you have an estate agent. Good evening and welcome to episode 66 of the Private Property Podcast. Probably top of the list um, when, when you're sourcing a new tenant is that word of a credit check. Um, very, very, very important. That's, that's your, your starting point. You want to create a savings buffer for you, you to be able to look at investments that are longer term. You know, those, those contracts, those offer to purchase have been drafted by legion of lawyers and I can make fun of lawyers because my wife is a lawyer, okay? So. Welcome to episode 80 of the Private Property Podcast. Out of everything we've discussed tonight, so I think your managing agent is critical because they have a custodian of the relationship. They're the ones that are managing the affair. We are there to analyze a market um, and to look at the behavior of buyers and sellers in the market. Be able to market yourself because in, in essence, real estate and as an agent, it is you that we first buy before we buy the company that you're with.